0: This is The Things We Do podcast, a podcast about film, life, television, culture, mental health, and all of that fun, jazzy stuff. Today, I've got my special guest and friend all the way in LA, Gracie Lacey. Hello, Gracie. Hello. Hello. (laughs) How are you?
1: I'm good, dude. It's hard not to do an Australian accent with you.
0: (laughs) Thank you. I mean, mean, the funny thing is, you you have such uh, an American, like you know, strong is it Californian accent? Would you describe it? Like a very or where are you from? Where's your original birthplace?
1: I'm from Orange County, but it's it's so funny because people all over the world clock it as different things. Like I have a boss for one of my many side jobs who's Russian, who the first time she met me, she was like Gracie she was like you have you have British accent where this come from and I was like no I don't she was like no you're from like Birmingham are you not and I was like no girl I am not I was like I am Orange County I don't know what you're hearing I was like I think your accent is so thick that you are hearing different accents
0: oh my (laughs) god oh my god That's amazing. So, so what? Like you've just you've just traveled around, and people will just go, "Oh, you're from here. You're from like and and no one's ever guessed Orange County. No one has
1: ever guessed Orange County. No, <laughs> but I feel like people that like if you're from like SoCal, people expect you to like talk like this and like. Yeah. You would be super Californian if you sounded like that. I'm like, I don't sound like that unless I want to sound like that. You know what I mean? Actor life.
0: That's like um, the thing in Australia, which I, I think is sort of like if you go to the country area, everyone has these thick, we call them ochre accents where everyone has like the good day, may, a you go sort of thing. And then you come to yeah. the city and and d- depending where you are in the cities, like the accent sort of slightly varies. But I have often been mistaken for um, British Or um, upper class, like, you know, sort of like part of New York or something like that. When it, and depending on Mm. where you, you know, people claim I'm from. But I always find it funny because people just go, Oh, you're not Australian. I'm like, I was born here. I've been here 30 years of my life. Like, I don't know what, I don't know what you're thinking of where I'm from, but fuck. Like, it's, (laughs) that's so funny. It's, it's like, I feel, I feel like also when people aren't familiar with accents, they, they, they really just kind of like, as you were saying, about um, you know, like th- they just don't register. Like there's no comprehension of where. Um, but I also think people just have ba- like bad listening skills, and they don't actually listen.
1: <laughs> That's true too. That is so true. Have you ever had somebody be like? You're totally from New Zealand and then get super offended by it. Because, like, well, I I hear that that's a huge, you know.
0: Look, the funny thing is, and I was chatting about this with my partner, um, we both love New Zealand. We both think it's amazing. And uh, New Zealand absolutely hate us. Like, New Zealand <laughs> think we are the worst. But everyone in Australia loves New Zealand because um, politically they're also doing really well. Like, they've got a wonderful... Um, female Prime Minister, who is doing an incredible job with such a uh, downright poor situation. But she managed to keep, um, you know, we will say this, she managed to keep COVID out of New Zealand for almost a year, which is impressive for a remote place. Um, But also... Uh, the other side of the coin is just, there were a really nice bunch of people over there. And we just seem to treat them like absolute shit by sending um, our convicts or our poor people. We just, like, our government yeah. just goes, flee over there. And, and, right. And everyone in Australia just goes, we love it over there. And then everyone in New Zealand goes, stop sending your shitty people here. Like, take them home. Put them in prison. We don't want them. Um, so, oh, gosh. Yeah. So it's a. It's a little bit of a a very backwards rivalry. But in, um, like, if you want to have rivalries, there is people, you know, we've got different states and at the moment, everyone's having a bit of a state crisis because each state is doing better with the pandemic than the other state. And so Hmm. Western Australia, which the head of Western Australia is Perth and Perth doing like. Okay, some of the times, but I was chatting to my mom the other day and she was like, The premier over there is just such an ass. Like, all people in WA are so full of themselves. And I was like, <laughs> Ma, I was like, Why does it matter? And it was just these That's conversations. So and I'm, I'm just like, Well, rivalry happens between states and it doesn't like yeah. whenever there's a press conference now, because they do daily press conferences to update you with COVID numbers they always start tacking other states and going, we're doing better than Queensland. We're doing better than New South Wales. We're doing better than Victoria. And it's like, no one cares just just yeah. tell us the facts and we'll we'll go home like we we're all in lockdown.
1: Yeah, and can we all come together instead of being like we're doing better than you are. Ha <laughs> ha, fuck you. Like <laughs> can we just like figure I'm, out how to not do
0: that? <laughs> do you do you find though that the, with the pandemic now because it's been going over um about a year, a bit over a year now. Do you feel like we're on the other side of the coin where not everyone's in this together? We've realized how very much people are not sharing this big flight with each other. They're just going all all, one for all, like, you know, everyone's flying away. Because I feel like it might not be as prevalent in the US, but it is very prevalent here with like, you know, I think, the pandemic sort of changing things. Is yeah. that the same case? Do you Have you found in LA?
1: Yeah. Uh, dude, you know, it's so synchronistic and so funny that I'm talking to you right now because I have been wanting to write this children's book mm. um, for a while now um, with my favorite animal, which happens to be only in Australia, the kawaka. Oh, And I want to write a little story about the kawaka and his travels through COVID. And I have a friend who's like helping me design it and, and draw yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it might be a kawaka. It might have to be a gopher. We're still in process <laughs> in the development process. <laughs> yeah. But I love kawakas. They're so freaking cute. It's my dream to go to Australia to see kawakas. Um, <laughs> And you now. <laughs> yeah, you can come and visit <laughs> yes. me. Yes. <but>, uh... <laughs> But, um, but, but that split, I mean, it's just, it's so. It's so prevalent everywhere. And it's so funny because it's like we've lived X amount of time now where people have not been touched by something all together, like worldwide. And now yeah. we all have this shared experience of COVID. We've all had to go into lockdown together. And it's funny because they do these princess parties, which is where this book idea came from, because mm. I would get these questions from these kids. Um, now that we're starting to come out and people are vaccinated, they're starting to book these these kids parties again because they want to give their kids... Cute birthday party. So I'll go as Belle or Ariel or Cinderella and these yeah, little boys and girls will come up to me and they'll be like, Belle, did did you have to have COVID in your kingdom too? Like, has have you guys had to go into lockdown too? And it's like, it's the saddest thing, dude. Cause then I'll ask them what they want for their birthday and they'll be like, I just don't want COVID to be a thing anymore. And it's Aww. like these kids are are processing this actively yeah. and And what do you say to that? Like you have to say yes, you know? And it's it's fun when you do princesses like Rapunzel because I remember I had a Rapunzel party like two weeks ago and this little girl was like, Rapunzel did you have COVID in your kingdom and I was like yeah and I was like and we all had to go into lockdown and but you know I don't have to be in my tower anymore now I have a separate area that I get to go to but after being locked up in a tower for 18 years I got used to doing everything inside so it wasn't that bad you know yeah (laughs) we got better at painting and reading and writing and being with family if if we could be with family and and so it's like it's 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 fun to be able to help these kids process in this like fantastical yeah. way so they can bring this very negative, scary thing that we have all had to go through together as a society and, and grounded in something that is a little magical to sprinkle just a little bit of hope them you know what I mean and and not have it feel so confusing um because I love I just love kids so much and and having them ask questions like that it it breaks my heart a little bit but it also like it the reason why I love these parties so much and I'm I'm like I'm 24 you know I've been doing it for like 10 years and some people are like are you ever going to stop doing the princess parties? And I'm like, you know, if I got on to, like, a series and I don't need to have the side jobs that I have and all the different gigs, then, yeah, I might stop doing it at some point. But I love working with kids so much because even with these, like, kitty kids parties, you get to have moral through lines because these kids look up to you so much. You are their hero when you walk into their birthday. So everything that you say matters so much to them. And if you can leave them with, like, You know, and make sure that you smile. As much as you smile, you're helping other people smile too. And if you see your friend fall, what do you do? Do you laugh at them or do you help them up? And it's like it means so much more coming from a character that they already love. Yeah. And it just fills my heart to do that. I always leave just so happy, you know? And I'm like, why would I not want to do that? (laughs) Like, I just love kids.
0: I mean, like, that's, that's the thing. And I feel... With, yeah, as you as you say, just children have this sort of like they hook on every word that we say. And I think, um, yeah, it's something that I feel like probably came about more so with popular culture like Frozen and, you know, stuff like that. Where, you know, these kids parties do like Disney characters. I think Frozen really was one of the first movies that really kind of skyrocketed um, in terms of my memory of recent years. Of films that everyone was like, "Oh my god, kids actually love Disney again." Yeah, because you know, like I grew up with Lion King. I grew up with like, um, Lilo and Stitch and all that stuff. Like, they were very, you know, Little Mermaid and all that. But I remember not being as excited by these characters as necessarily kids were by Elsa and Anna. And it's an you know, obsession. <laughs> yeah, it's a completely different thing, and I, I absolutely l- love it that um, they've done it. But, yeah, there's there's a real sense of, like, also community around a lot of these things. And I feel mm. it was really interesting as well because, like, my partner, she's not into uh, – like, she loves Disney films, but she's not very into superhero films um, as much as I am. And we were watching Shazam.
1: Oh, so good. It's so good.
0: But I remember she was sitting there and she was just going, this is the best escapism. Like, I understand why people watch these And it is that sense of when you're a kid, it sort of brings you back to being a kid as well because I think the thing that we sort of take away of being adults, especially like the moment we hit our 20s, we kind of have to be this sort of like grown up because we're surrounded by children. Mm. And Mm. I think there's an element where we forget we were kids once and we've got to always hang on to that. And I think like films like Disney and stuff, I will every time there's a new Pixar film go, um, out. I will go to the cinema. I will go and watch it and cry my heart out. Yeah. And I'll be the only <laughs> adult who hasn't got a child there. And it's it's like the most wholesome thing. But I just absolutely feel like kids, you know. And I and I can't partially wait until like uh, I'm a dad one day and I can sort of like have my own kids and take them to kind of situations. But yeah, I I really do think that kids have this wonder. And this excitement, and I, and especially growing up in a time where, like, I don't think the media should be making shows about people living in COVID just yet. Like, don't make it while it's happening. It's like, you know, you watch a film during World War Two about World War II. You don't want to watch a film about it yeah. when you're living it. Yeah. You want to watch it later.
1: Yeah, but do, do you remember at the beginning of the pandemic on netflix the highest grossing show the the show that was trending the most was like that show contagion yes like people have this like this sick need to play out the worst yeah right like if we're starting to live in a pandemic and there's a show about a pandemic it's like we feed off of it we sink our teeth into it and we're like "Ooh, yes like and i feel like I feel like and I love sci-fi and shows like that so much and not going to lie that was one of the first shows I watched too during the <laughs> <laughs> pandemic cuz I was like I like I don't know I mean it was so it was so on point for so much of what we were going through the 6 feet apart wearing masks like it was sickly satisfying it's like yeah I have this weird obsession with sharks like I love sharks and I remember watching jaws when I was like 6 years old and I was so terrified to go into the water yeah But now I have a car that looks like a shark. I only have shark stickers on my car. I ride in a shark because I want to feel like a shark when I'm going about my day. (laughs) Like, I want to feel like a badass predator that could take down anyone at any time and like can conquer all i want to feel like the king of the fucking sea (laughs) wherever i go and whatever i do but i'm like i still have this like sick like fascination with it and with shark attacks and i'm like it's the same thing for the pandemic like we have this this need to fulfill like and to watch like to watch the worst play out yeah and i feel like somehow it makes the rest of our lives okay because the worst is not actually happening but it's I don't know it's it's grossly yummy in some way it's (laughs) like when you love horror films or when you love watching Dateline like my mom is like I don't know how you can watch these horror movies they're so gory and blah 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 and I'm like I watch horror movies with zombies, and you watch Dateline before you go to sleep. I'm like, I can't watch Dateline before I go to sleep. I don't want to, like, I can't watch actual real murders, but I can watch zombies killing other people. Because I know that won't actually happen, or at least it hasn't yet. (laughs) You know what I mean?
0: (laughs) I absolutely agree. It's like why I get a satisfaction out of good horror films, and I will always watch, like, you know um good 1980s horror films where it's like the slasher genre Uh, yeah there's some sort of weird sick pleasure in watching people die but then at the same time i'm just like (laughs) this will never happen like no chance in hell i will actually go to a campsite and get murdered by this man wearing a hockey mask like that's never gonna happen but the fact that yeah these things create um like this surreal sense of like Fridays just so cool and I yeah but whenever I've listened to this podcast and it's about murder and I remember I probably was listening to it about four days straight and I got to a point after four days like I still listen to it on and off but I just got to this point where I was like I cannot listen to this every day I am like because real people have died it's just so fact 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 yeah and um, it's very different when, um, you know, obviously you're looking at fictional characters and, you know, the actors are still alive, yeah. but, it it yeah, there's something surreal about listening to actual people who are murdered. Um, but I did watch, like, there was a great show that I absolutely loved, but that was also an, a prime example of also, like, a fictional show that's based on real life, and it was called Mindhunter.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. And
0: that's a really hard watch because you know all these people are based on real people who have done horrible things, So you're not – you're listening to a fictitious version of them, but you're still listening to what actually happened to these real-life people. Yeah. So, yeah, we have a sick fascination with, like, you know – so true. Yeah.
1: And I know that show. Uh, I like that show. And I like it because it's not like – at least there's actors that are playing it out, you know, and it's not so like these are the photos of the real people. Like it's yeah. not like a documentary. It's like it's still a little bit embellished, which I like, and I I can get behind that a little bit more yeah. than like watching a bunch of like you know, true crime, like, documentaries back to back to back because it's so, it's just so real. And I'm, like, as a sane person, I can play first-person, like, video, like, shooter video games, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. As a sane person who is not currently on meth. (laughs) Like, Like, I can play that and know that I would never go out and, like, shoot up a building. Yeah. But fucking Tommy in, like, Tennessee, no offense, Tennessee, who's living in his mom's basement, who's, like, just gotten into fucking smoking a little meth, goes and plays this game and then wants to actually play it out the like yeah that like i know the difference with myself but i don't trust other people to know the difference within them like you know what i mean
0: i think it also goes to you know the shoddy you know like mental health system that like you guys have over there which is just like Mm -hmm. um i have very and
1: our healthcare system in general
0: yeah i know i have i have big gripes about it but um well like it's it's just kind of one of those things that I think don't get to, doesn't get really addressed and I feel like you know we in 19 in the 90s we got we used to have legalized guns and everything and you could carry a weapon regardless and then we had the Port Arthur massacre so that a kid basically with really bad mental health issues shot a bunch of people and killed a bunch of people in a cafe and and went around this like Port Arthur which is in Tasmania and it's like the founding um, convict site. So it used to be where we send all our prisoners back in the 1800s and he killed a bunch of people there and then I think he got shot and one of the things was the Prime Minister at the time just went, that's it, no more guns. This this is straight up, we cannot allow legalising of weapons to to just anyone. They have to go through rigorous checks prior to even owning a firearm and you have to have a license and everything and one of the things that always kind of was drilled into me since then because i grew up in the 90s was the fact that we don't have guns and when you go to america the fact that anyone can buy a gun is is absurd like it, it's just the most baffling thing because granted like crime rates and everything are like you know but the fact that one, you don't have poor, uh, you have poor health systems and stuff. But two, the fact that you ju- they just ignore the fact that that you know, and the gun, um, you know. Everyone who owns a gun and the people who run the gun companies are very powerful people. And the government don't want to go and touch that with a 10 foot pole because they get money from yeah. them. So it's like.
1: I mean, we have so many industries in play in America. And that's why there's this whole no super PAC ban. And like, that's such bullshit because every politician is taking super PACs. Every single politician is taking donations from big companies yeah. to push their own agendas, which is why. The meat industry is so humongous and why they're taking advantage of not only all the animals that come through but they're taking advantage of the people that buy it on a mass scale i'm not talking about like little you know farms in california or little farms you know in different places that like buy organically and you can literally see the cows like graze that would be how we know meat is is good and healthy and whatever but that's not happening on a massive scale these these corporations like tyson and i'm gonna get shot if i name more (laughs) like (laughs) like they they will dude they will which is why i'm so thankful we have streaming like streaming services like netflix that are willing to put up documentaries like seaspiracy food inc and that are not aren't afraid to name names yeah you know because we need that there's there is so much corruption in this society and when you look at issues like like gun violence america in a nutshell dude i feel like we've had like like the founding fathers They built this country. They wrote all these rules for how these people should blah, blah, blah. And it's the same thing with religion. It's like the structure of rules in place and we have to follow them exactly. Yeah. But when things need to evolve a little bit or change a little bit, there is so much resistance from these people that believe these books are still supposed to be enacted in the exact same way. And it's like... That is not how this world should work. That's not how the founding fathers intended this to be either. If if I mean, that's why shows like Hamilton are so cool, because if Alexander Hamilton was still alive and he saw that we still had all of these issues, gun violence being one of the biggest ones. Yeah. And how we don't. I mean, because the right to bear arms right it, it, in in its first uh, necessity was supposed to be for people, for us, we the people, to have weapons just in case the government got too powerful and wanted to take advantage of us as people so we could defend ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that's what guns were first intended for, but I feel like... If if the Founding Fathers could see how our society has progressed and and the legal systems that we have now and police protection, I don't think that there would be police protection. (laughs) They're actually protecting us. Um, (laughs) There's just there's so many of these big structures that we have in play in America specifically that just don't work. And America is like, we're America. We're amazing. All other countries suck. And because there's this, like, thought process that has been enacted in now our schools, there is so much of, like, this narrow vision, just, I, we're going to stick to what America does and fuck everybody else. And and because of that, there is no growth, there is no expansion, there is no. Oh well, Sweden and Australia and all of these other places are the safest places in the world because there's no mass shootings. There, what did they do? They took away people's guns. Oh, but you can't tell Republicans that you're going to take away their guns. No,
0: <laughs> you can't. You can't do that. They will not be happy. No, they will not. <laughs> but also, this is the thing as well. I say this every time there's a U.S. election. The U the way the U.S. votes. Is so dumb. It is incredibly dumb. In Australia, we have a compulsory vote. You cannot not vote. You get charged by the government for not voting. They will force you to pay money if you don't vote. In America, that ain't the case. You can just choose not to. Mm -hmm. And your voting system then gets flipped on its head. It's all based on popularity and who wins the popular votes. And I think that. You know, good that Biden got in to get rid of Trump. Like, absolutely, you know, get that man out of office. Yeah, because um, <laughs> he is just completely, completely nuts. And and yeah. and this is the thing I say. You know, like one of the things is before he got even in government, he had had multiple failed businesses. Yeah, and, <sighs> and not just you know, this is the this is the thing he had avoided handing his tax over. Which is a legal requirement for yep. any president mm-hmm. to hand your tax over mm-hmm. and go, "Here's my, you know, here's my taxes, so you know where the spendings mm-hmm. go and everything." And he's just like, "No, nope, yep. I'm Donald Trump, and I'm better than <laughs> ever." And it, you know, the thing is, like, there was a great um, article that I remember reading, which is um, some sort of like complaint he had about something, but it just said the star of um, uh, Home Home Alone Two. Uh, complained about something. And because he cameos in Home Alone 2, I just laughed so hard <laughs> that they only referenced that and not the fact that he was the President of the United States. Oh, they were like, nah, he sucks so much that he doesn't even get that title. <laughs> like, I I don't know how you go, you feel about Biden being in charge because, you know, like, I feel like at the same time, it was, everyone in Australia kind of felt like it was just a nice reprieve from having Trump on our news every day. Yeah. But, um... I mean, the last thing you really want is always like, I guess, another white man running the country or like, you know, like what's your thoughts on that and, and how the political system runs at the moment?
1: I mean, it's the politics of politics, right? Like, yes, we have the oldest white man in office right now with Biden, but it's okay because Kamala Harris is his vice president. And like it it was cool at first when they were elected. Okay, I'll I'll. I'll backtrace to my thoughts during the primary, and this is, oh God, <laughs> my very liberal friends will literally kill me if, like, it's like, you, you can't say anything right if you're an independent thinker, you know what I mean? If
0: No, 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 no.
1: And, and I, I mean, I have so many issues with the DNC and the RNC, and I fully, I, I guess I I want to believe that this country doesn't have any sort of like voter fraud, but I I can't believe that because I saw Bertie fill stadiums and I saw Biden not be able to fill rooms. And I just don't understand how during the primary, when all the votes went to the East Coast, how all of a sudden Biden's numbers started spiking. And I was like, I don't know one person who actually voted for Biden. I really like during Mm -hmm. the primary specifically. so uh, my issue with how this society is is working at this point is 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 our primary system and our electoral college. Yeah. I I don't think that we should have primaries and I don't think that we should have an electoral college because so much bias goes into that and that's where I think all of the fraud actually happens. Um yeah. But then on a mass scale, when we have our elections, like, of course, I'm I'm so thankful that Biden came in and, and replaced Trump, obviously. Um, yeah. But I was not I was not a Biden supporter uh, from from the beginning. I just I didn't want him in office. But I mean, now that he is, I'm like, I support him as president. But already there's choices that he has made. Where I'm like, where was the forethought?
0: <laughs> yeah, where
1: was the leadership because it's i don't I'm not seeing it, no you know, but it's hard to be president in a in a like you said, in a country where it's a popularity contest, it is very hard to be the president of the United States,
0: yeah, and I absolutely agree with that. It was the also the same with Hillary Clinton because you know, I remember that election, and I was like, why did Bernie step aside like what the actual fuck? yeah and then like Hillary, and no. Issued to Hillary Clinton, but I just didn't believe in her. Mm -hmm. I didn't absolutely believe in her, and I didn't, you know. But I was like, "Well, there goes the chance for them to actually win," because, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I could see Trump and his rallies and everything, and he was just he was just circulating on people's um, fears and um, and everything, and then the same. You know, the 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 sheer fact that when the last election happened, it, it just yeah. I I completely was like, eh, at this point I just don't want Trump in. Yeah. And and that was that was it. It wasn't really Bernie's better. Um sorry, um Biden's better or anything like that. It was it was clearly just
1: get him out, yeah. 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 No, it's true. The DNC literally could have thrown a pile of shit at us and we would have been like, make it president. Yeah. <laughs> Please, anything else.
0: Oh, yeah. Literally put like a baby in charge and we'll go for it. Yes. Like, I, no one could <laughs> give a shit. Like,
1: yo, you want to hear something really crazy, dude? Yeah. So I have a movie that just dropped on Amazon Prime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the leads for it. I shouldn't say one of the leads, the lead that's across from me. I knew from the <laughs> very beginning, bro, I knew from the very beginning that I was not going to vibe with whatever energy his energy was. And I was just going to have to ground into myself and do everything that I had um, planned on doing during the callback and just not gave in to whatever manic male toxic whatever it was like i it wasn't even toxic when i first met him because i was like you're just vibrating it like i i mean i have adhd but i don't have i mean men and women when they have adhd are they it's different for both yeah but he just he was so on this like Train that I was like, oh my god! <laughs> I was like, that's not—I, I don't know what that is, but I'm not gonna. Hoo-hoo-hoo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna lose myself into whatever that is. But, um, but dude, it's funny because I we got the call back. That's when I met him, and then I booked it. Two years later, the movie's about to get released. The day that it's about to get released, we get an uh an email from the director. And they say our distribution date is gonna get delayed by a little bit uh, due to an issue, and we were like, "Okay, whatever. All right, we will wait to promote the film." And um, I ended up meeting with uh, the team that we have, and oh my god! uh, The day before I was gonna meet with them, which was like four days after we got this email, I turn on CNN. The first story on CNN. I see my co-star. Yeah, yeah bro. Turns out uh, he was a part of the Capitol riot. Oh. Yeah. And so, of course, CNN says, oh, my God, Burbank actor arrested for Capitol riot. And then the New York Times grabs it. And, like, what do they say? All press is good press or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, we're just like, oh, God, I hope this just doesn't, like, mean bad things for the film. But the film is already, like, about aliens and UFOs. And like, it's basically a a big conspiracy theory anyway, quote unquote conspiracy theory. But I mean, everybody that was involved with the project was so like, like peaceful and like, like spiritual. And, and then just to have this guy that was so on the opposite end. And like, I met with him and they were like, Gracie, did you have any like issues when you were on set with him? And I was like, dude, I was like, I like, I knew that you wouldn't recast him. So I didn't want to necessarily say anything, but the amount of fights that I got into with him right before we would shoot scenes is insane. Yeah. And like, only my close friends really know this, and now you and I and and your listeners know this, but like... (laughs) But, I mean, it's insane. If you watch that movie and you know that I as a very feminist, liberal, uh, human uh, had to be in love with a very misogynistic, gun-toting Trump supporter, I mean... I deserve a fucking Oscar, bro. <laughs> like, I, don't know, I don't know how we were able to like yeah. do that, and like, and the director was even like, it did not show at all through the whole film. Wow. I mean, if anybody knew what was actually going on behind the scenes, y- like you would be shocked because the shit that would come out of this guy's mouth was disgusting. I mean, yeah. he's just he's is one of many of these people, these these MAGA people that have. Very little faith in the government, very little faith in the media, and have gone all the way onto this other side of like a d- uh, suspension of disbelief of like reality altogether. And I mean, it goes as far as like QAnoners because if you're already a MAGA supporter, then you're more likely to drop into the QAnon area. And it's like, yeah, it's interesting because I have a lot of friends that are in the spiritual community that are starting to to become QAnoners, and I'm like. Like I have I have some friends that I love very much that are are they believe it and I'm like bro I just saw did you see that uh that article that came out about um the father who killed his kids Oh no. because he thought that they were reptilians. No. Yeah, dude, he took his kids, he took his two little adorable babies down to Mexico, killed them with a fishing spear. Like his wife had no idea. And she was like, I, I didn't even, I didn't, I thought that they just, like, left, and then he didn't come back that night, and I was confused about where they were. He drove them down to Mexico and fucking killed them because he thought that they were reptilians. And then I think, what about my friends that I think are so kind and so sane and so spiritually, spiritually connected? What if they see a reptilian in my eyes one day and then want to kill me? Like, that's, that is the problem with these, like, massive conspiracy theories and and these, like, these internet black holes that people are falling into. Yeah. It, it can get really dangerous really fast. And I, I have a lot of faith with myself and my own grounding as... As, as a human being walking around this planet, I'm not going to go out and kill somebody because I think you're a fucking reptilian. Like, I, I don't e- I don't support even the fucking death penalty for criminals. Like, I I would never in my right mind ever do anything like that. And so when I see my friends that are so open-minded get sucked into these internet wormholes, I'm like, dude, please don't. Like, shake yourself out of it. Like, I don't know what you have to do, but like don't believe this crap like it's just yeah and it's okay to be open-minded and like play around with the idea but it's another thing to go full-hearted into it you know what I mean
0: absolutely I think I think a lot of people just like completely leap into this sort of like fantasy realm and I and I don't like I just, I, I think from my end it's like it sounds like a great fun little sci-fi concept, mm-hmm. but I'd never want to be like you know, yeah, I'm gonna kill someone because I believe that. It's like, yeah, the 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 ludicrous. The, but this also goes back to just I think, in particular, like the level you know, and I think it's more apparent these days. But just the level of danger the internet has. But I also think that. People people have this thing, and I think it's just that people don't ask questions; they just believe, and they don't query things. And there is a there is you are either a sheep or you're like you know an individual. Mm -hmm. And when you're a sheep, you're just going to believe everything that's placed in front of you. Mm -hmm. And I just I don't believe that's a thing because you know there's so many things that. Are wrong with society, and you know, the fact that there's not equal rights, still, there's not equal pay, there's not even, you know, like the fact that you know, I think that religion has a very backwards way of thinking, especially when it comes to people of you know, but um, of uh, queer communities. I also mm-hmm. believe that you know, like people, um, you know, have a very backwards way of when it comes to mental health, and the fact that you know, people just think it's oh, you're just not thinking happy thoughts, it's like, yeah, you know, th- there's. There's all these things that I'm thinking, where did people go wrong? Like, why do we think that we need to live this fantasy life and this dystopian, like, oh, sorry, utopian sort of, like, existence? Because the thing that I feel, like, and, you know, I'm not a religious person. I'm very um, feminist. I'm very, you know... uh, equal rights and everyone have equal pay and everything like that and you all deserve a fighting chance
1: yeah but is that a religious thing to to not believe that because i don't think that it is and i don't think that like just because you're a religious person it doesn't mean that you're not a liberal that you're not a feminist and like no but 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 it's that's you're right on it i mean that's the problem with these texts i mean yeah people buy into so much of it and then they stop thinking about their friend or their neighbor yeah that's i'm queer or that's you know you know what i mean it's like yeah. the love is lost
0: i feel like it's also like um you know th- this was something that i noticed a-, a bunch um and it's changing a lot and i think it is changing in our generation but there was a generational thing where it was like you know that whole belief of like You could, you know, people thought that no sex before marriage was the thing to go, like, Mm. you know, all of that stuff. And I feel like nowadays, um, you know, that is completely, whether you're religious or not, um, there is no shame or anything in, you know, having human urges. But I feel, yeah, that religion still tries to stamp this old, you know, you must be, save yourself for marriage. And I'm like, why, though? Mm -hmm. Like, isn't that a slightly and you know, completely different of you um not that interested in sex or anything, but if you are someone who is, why wait that long? Like why wait like yeah. almost thirty years in your
1: well, it's different now, right? because when 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 these texts were written, which was hundreds of years ago, <laughs> there was less safety involved. So That's true. Wouldn't it be like kind of logical to think that maybe the people that were trying to write a moral compass for how to live and how to keep people safe, and maybe it did come from something outside of themselves. Maybe it was sent to them through a prophet, or, or maybe they were a prophet, or, or whatever the case is. Yeah. Maybe that was just to try to keep people as safe as possible. And, not, yeah. n- and now that we live in a society where we have hand sanitizer And condoms and like we are not we we can have safer sex. It's like it's not as necessary to have these rules and restrictions, but in certain areas, it's still so common to say, well, the Bible says this and it's like. The Bible was written how long ago? <laughs> like, yeah. How long? Like, it's just, it's outdated. So much of this is outdated. And it's, it's hard to tell people that because there's this split that happens with yeah. people where they're like, but I believe this. And it's like, but why? And I, that's why I respect... The religions like Judaism that encourage questions. Yeah. That encourage other people to think individually.
0: I absolutely agree with that. And I feel like it goes the same of like, uh, you know, like Buddhism and all that stuff. It's just like, Mm -hmm. but one of the things I always find very like interesting as well, um, you know, like natural history museums, like when they, you know, they have the dinosaur exhibits and stuff like that. And people go to me and it's like, oh, dinosaurs never existed. I'm like, what? So, (laughs) so hang on. What the fuck's that then? Like a dragon, like that thing that used to exist prior to man um, is standing right in front of me. And it may be dead, but also if you look back at history, we didn't exist once upon this planet. We were a pile of ooze. And then they'll say,
1: no, God made us and made woman from the man of Adam. (laughs) That's what happened. It's like, ah, really,
0: bro. (laughs) But I think the thing is like we found found, like life on Mars, like there's physically microbes and stuff and like little things that Mm -hmm. live on Mars. And, you know, just the complexity of, you know, the fact that we exist, there will be some other life forms out in space. Mm -hmm. Like there are billions of planets that we've never discovered, you know, space isn't just 10 planets that we know of. And I think people get afraid of that existential question of there was more to the world than we even could comprehend. And... I think that's like, you know, like you and I are a fan of sci-fi and, you know, and horror and stuff. But I think that's, I think that comes from like having an interest in questions and and having, because I know the people who don't like those genres don't like asking questions. They just kind of like, um, you know, like sheltering themselves and also like, um, you know, have no interest in knowing anything other than their little safe box. Like the idea of, you know, going to space or living a, you know, um, on another planet is very terrifying to yeah. um, some people.
1: Yeah, fear of the unknown, right? Like people, yeah. really, they really are. They feel threatened when when you have different ideas like that. I I remember like. I was super into uh The Mermaids Are Real documentary that came out. Oh yeah, yeah. I was so so into that shit and I still am and I'm like if 80% of the ocean is still unexplored, then there ha- there is so a possibility of like something that looks close to us also be- having some similar structure, bone structures, humans, some sort of different kind of complicated language that we don't understand, but it's yeah understood like there's there is just there's so much possibility to it that it's so intriguing for me because I'm like you you can't deny it you know what I mean just like how religion and God not not I'll separate religion and God for a minute but the idea of God is so intriguing to me or, or something else because no one can disprove it. Yeah, You can't disprove that there is a God or that there isn't. a You can't prove it. You can't disprove it. Yeah. And when you can't do any of those, it leaves so many possibilities. And yeah, that's why, at least for me, I have seen so many hints of God and magic and, and things like this through synchronicity, which is why it's so funny that the movie that just went up on Amazon, I play an alien on earth with heightened synchronicity. That is my power on earth. I mean, Ooh. it's. I know, dude, I know. I mean, it's such a trip because like I, I knew when I got the audition, I was like, I don't know how, don't know why, but I called this into my energy. Somehow this was manifested um yeah. as an extension of a part of me and a part of the planet. And I, it's, it's interesting because it's like following breadcrumbs. Yeah. You see something that you like, and it leads you to another thing that you like. And somehow that all loops back together in this really interesting, like, figure eight of infinity that it was always supposed to happen. And you're just following these little, like, these little clues that spirit, yeah. other, are connected energy gives, you know? I I have no other explanation for it other than, like... I think that God is us. We are God. And somehow we're like Avatar. We're connected to all of the trees, to everything that's alive here. And we as humans, because we're the only beings that are, I mean, we're not the only conscious beings, obviously, but we're the only beings as of now that can like recognize and express in our own language, past, present, and future. And because of that, I feel like we're... We are just connected in a very different way. But then we have things like media and, like, social media and watching TV and, like, all of these things that make us feel so disconnected from each other when they should make us feel even more connected. Like, I've had so many clues from, like, spirit drop down through like texts from people or watching somebody's story or like it, and it's funny if you're aware enough to see the synchronicities happen in your life but if you don't believe in synchronicities if you don't believe in god if you if you have all of these like this is the way that my life must go x y a b c like yeah, yeah, yeah. then you'll never see it
0: yeah you know
1: it's like they say if you want to manifest a butterfly in your day you just think about a butterfly. And then at some point in the day, you'll see a butterfly, whether or not it's a butterfly flying like for real, or if it's a butterfly on somebody's shirt, you'll see it. It's if you are looking for it, you'll find it, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And I agree. I agree with that because I have a lot of experience with the similar sort of things that I'm like, oh, okay. I was thinking about that all day. Yeah. That's uh, really <laughs> useful. Um, yeah. it's It's very like i'm definitely like more of that person who you know like my my partner definitely believes in like um uh like certain things that when it comes to just things happening or you know bad luck good luck and all that stuff and i'm i'm very much like sometimes leave things to chance and you know like but i i i'm one of those people who was always asking questions like i will constantly um query things and a lot of the time, the, you know, like I like the unexplained and the un, you know, the the unnatural and the the different, mm. and so I will always, throughout my life, kind of like search for things that I don't know the answer to, and 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 also be very content with not knowing the answer to. Yeah. Like, you know, I think I think you need to, you know. Be very content with that, but you know, like I believe in, I believe in all sorts of things. I believe in, you know, like magic and stuff like that, and and spirituality, and and just like you know, the fact that the, you know the rules and physics of the world don't fully a hundred percent make sense, mm-hmm. and there is a lot of things that we don't understand, and a lot of things we try to rationalize through. And and the way I look at, you know, like when people say, "Oh, magic," and you mean like fairy tales? I'm like, no, it's a different kind of science because. Yeah if you look at it and it, everything comes down to a, a, a just a different way of of understanding something and yeah. you know like i i feel Just that whole defining everything down to electrons and protons and neutrons, everything like that. You just kind of go, well, yeah, that's basics. But what about all those weird things of in between? Like you can't explain why the epiphany of ideas come always through. Like you know, to putting pieces together and close together. But you know, like you know, the 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 jumbling up of information and messages through our brain is like a supercomputer that handles like data like no tomorrow. And Yeah, we try and create computers that comprehend and can store a human brain and no chance in hell the brain is the most powerful computer on the planet. Yeah. Um it it has unlimited amount of information to store and I think also you know that you know that saying where everyone's like, You feel with your heart and you think with your brain. Yeah. I feel like you think and feel with your brain because yeah. a lot of you know but your heart um registers like anxiety and and yeah. like You know, but your brain does so much of the work when it goes and thinks about things and it goes, Oh, I feel anxious now. I feel stressed. I feel depressed. You know, like um, there's always that kick into gear, but I feel like, um, you know, you've got to listen to what your body is telling you. And a lot of people don't. Yeah, and when you do, you are kind of like, oh, it's like an awakening, yeah. and you just feel like ten times better.
1: Yeah, but sometimes in those awakenings, it's not always feeling better; it's breaking the fuck down, you know.
0: Yeah, no, I I, I totally agree with that, and I think, um, you know, it's it's yeah, like I I literally had a um a, like physical breakdown. I you know like we'll go into to the topic of mental health again, but is it is one of those things that. I feel like anyone with any depression or anxiety or just like even not feeling okay for that day mm-hmm. it is good to have a breakdown like yeah. 101 have a cry yeah um
1: and then know that you'll be okay after it's like there's yeah. this there is this beautiful show and I keep talking about it but I love it so much on my insta um Cages in downtown L.A. is this show that is about uh, this guy who goes on this journey within himself because he falls in love for the first time and he has to face all these things. And anyway, long story short, there's one there's one line in it that has always stuck with me. And it's uh, you can swim in the sea of sorrow, but do not drown in the sadness. Mm. Isn't that so beautiful? It's like I. I. So like four years ago, my mom had a really bad accident that I was there for. We were hiking up in uh, Laguna Beach and we were going up this really steep hike and she was hit by a mountain biker and went down and um, saw bleeding and stopped the bleeding with my shirt and called 911. She was airlifted out of there. She had a seizure on the way to the hospital. When she got there, they told me that they had to rush her into emergency brain surgery and I had to sign off last rites with nobody there other than a spiritual counselor and i basically said goodbye to my mom um as she was getting wheeled into the hospital and i i i remember being in that room and feeling so lost and just having to trust and i mean there was a lot of funny moments that happened through that i um I remember. So she's she's fine now. By the way, (laughs) I can like lighten this up and say she's good. We have a very close relationship now, and everything is fine. But um, but she was in a coma for about like four days, here four days, and on the fourth day, Trump was elected president of the United States, and Trevor Noah. put out this, uh, this post on Facebook that was like, if you've been in a coma for the last two weeks, you might want to go back to sleep. And I was like, Trevor Noah, no, like you hit way too close to home, my guy. (laughs) But, um, but anyway, I, after she got out of the hospital, I remember them telling me that she was going to be released and I was fucking terrified because I was like, now I I have to take care of my mom. I'm the only person at our house like and she is healing and recovering and she's just had her career ripped away from her. And she's a very successful lawyer and has never I mean, we had to literally strap her down to the table because she was like, I have clients with a fucking tube down her throat. She was like, I have clients. I have to go to work. <laughs> she was like, "What? Do, where am I'm I? No. What's happening? <laughs> yeah, dude, like we had to strap her down because she was she's just she's a tank, dude. Like she's so committed to like herself and what she does and she's so smart and and i saw the most successful woman in my life just shattered like her yeah. identity was shattered and so it's been a rebuilding process and a healing process for both of us but i mean i knew that i had to be so there for her that along the way my mental health got really really bad because i didn't know how to process the ptsd that was going along with that yeah. not only that but also our own past my mom has not been a perfect person, nor is anyone a perfect person. We've not had a perfect relationship. Mm. And there's been a lot of things that we hadn't talked about and a lot of shit from my own past. I- I've gone through abuse. I was abused when I was a kid from my babysitter. And we had never talked about that. And then we had to talk about it. And it was so, so painful. But I was so thankful for the opportunity to be able to still have my mom. That way I could have these conversations. And I remember being in the hospital and just praying that I would get her back. That way I could have all of those conversations, the good, the bad, the ugly. But I I had to pray for a therapist before I could do any of that because yeah. I, I was I, – right after this happened, I fell in love for the first time. And it was a toxic love. It was real love, but it was very, very toxic because my mental health was really bad. And I didn't know how to – How to deal with it, how to process it. So I was enacting all of my own versions of what love was. And when you're a kid and from the ages of one to five, if you've been abused, hit, um, sexually assaulted, any of that, then you go to this place of like, oh, I'm in love for the first time. Now I'm acting out all of my own versions of love, which is Either please, for the love of God, hit me, or I'm gonna hit myself. You act it out in sexual ways and non-sexual ways, and it's it's a dark cycle that you can get into with, with partners. And there's like yeah. there's safe things that, that you can do too. If that's a version of love for you and you're aware of it, then BDSM can be an option for you that's safe. But yeah. if you are not aware of it and you're not aware of why you're enacting it, it can become very toxic and very bad very fast. Um yeah. and so I knew that I was causing a lot of pain not only on myself, but my mom and my partner at the time. And so I was like, I, I knew that I had to get better. And this is, this is, I don't know how close you can get to God other than this. I remember going to sleep one night and being like, I really know I need help. I was like, I've tried therapy before. I have to try it again. I just got to get help. And I remember waking up and the first thought I had was, I bet my acting coach would know somebody. Mm-hmm. I was like, he... Is a, he's a psychologist. He's, he's licensed as a spiritual psychologist. I was like, I bet, I bet he knows somebody. And I went to my acting class that day. At the end of class, he goes, by the way, um, I have a friend. Her name is Mai. She's taking on patients at scale, which is $40 an hour, for therapy. And he was like, if anybody needs therapy, let me know. And I was literally in my seat. Like, I was... I was about to raise my hand. I was like, I was about to raise my hand and ask you if I could talk to you after class about this. I was like, this is so weird. I was like, god literally just answered me. I was like, okay, I have to meet her. Yeah. And um and so I talked to him about it and he introduced me to her and she changed my life. She was a Jungian therapist. She practiced um therapy through Carl Jung um and that do, do you know Carl Jung?
0: No, I don't.
1: So Carl Jung was a psychologist in I think like the the late 1800s. Um who was basically on the other end of Freud with psychology. Freud, the Freudian theory oh, is more popular, yeah, yeah. you know, and the Jungian is is a little bit more mystical. Yeah. Um Carl Jung was a big believer in the unconscious in your dreams in yeah. you know and and he had oh, so many clients where you know, experiences had happened to him that he had dreams about and then the next day something would happen with a client and it would just be proven time and time again that there is so much more in the unconscious and we're registering so much more information when we are fast asleep about our own souls, our own spirits um, and our connection to our world that we're not actively processing if we're not looking for it. But he's always been a very aware or he was always a very aware um, human about his own dreams and he always had the questions. You know what I mean? What we were talking about. like He always questioned those dreams, why they were happening and he always remembered them and he wrote them down and he kept track. And because of this, I mean, it made him the perfect therapist. And so working with a woman who was a therapist like that. I mean, dude, she she tapped into my energy this one time I did not show up for a session. My my mental health was rough. I was having a very bad week and I didn't come to my session and I totally forgot about it and I remember I like plugged my phone in. I got home and I was like, "Oh my god, I'm so sorry. I totally forgot. Can we still do like a 20-minute session?" And she was like, "Sure." And we got on the phone with each other and she was like, Uh, Grace, I just want to let you know that I tapped into your energy just to make sure you were okay. And I'm bloated. I'm very bloated right now. And my stomach is cramped and I'm not feeling good. And she was like, what's going on with you? Mm -hmm. And I was like, I literally started breaking down. I was crying. I was like, I have been bloated for the last two weeks because I've been questioning my sexuality. I had just been with a girl for the first time. and In my head, I was thinking every single experience that I've had with a man is discounted now that I've had a beautiful, positive experience with a woman. And I wasn't accepting both sides of my sexuality. I was feeling like, you know, and and, but she tapped into that immediately and she knew. Yeah. In her own body. And I mean, it's just so interesting because there's. There's this book called um, uh, How the Common People Are Doing the Uncommon, How to Become Supernatural, and it's by this guy Joe Dispenza. I don't know if you've um, heard of him at all.
0: I've, I have not heard of that oh book. Oh, my God. That...
1: It's, it's going to be right up your alley. If you like what I think you like, it's going to be right up your alley. It's It's all about... The blending between like um, the spiritual uh, through meditation combined with actual science. Uh, Um, He's done brain scans of people when they come into his program um, from day one and he sees that their their brain waves are disconjointed and um, like very up and down and all over the place and just not calm. Uh, a very discombobbled, um, how we would all be if we go into a meditation and we're not used to just being calm in our own body.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Um, And then he shows them at the end of the week and how the brain waves are now steady waves. And they're functioning in harmony, in balance, in a perfect frequency because all of a sudden we feel safe in our own bodies. And that... That is how you become supernatural. That is how you can, can cure things like chronic anxiety, like depression. I mean, I've, I've had on-running depression for my whole life and suicidal tendencies my whole life. And it wasn't until I started doing meditations where I would see my brain and I would see all of the places that I would go and i would i would literally carve out these grooves and i would tell myself in this groove this is when i react like this this is where this groove goes this is where this groove goes yeah and then i would slowly start rerouting them and trying to lean into the positive lean into the the and and of course you have to go through all the grime and the guck before you can do that and not just be like rose colored everything's perfect because everything needs to be perfect yeah, you know? yeah yeah and eventually i started becoming very calm in my own body and feeling like I was safe in my own body and knowing that even though I've had so much pain in my past as we all have and even though I was the kid who was bullied as so many other people have been too, knowing that just because nobody stood up for me then doesn't mean that I'm not going to have my own back now Yeah. and if I could go back in time I would have my own back back then if I could go back in time I would save the little girl who was abused. If I could go back in time, I would. I would be the savior for myself. Yeah,
0: it's it's a hard work, but it's you know it's worth it. And and I think you know like the the same thing for me. Like when I sort of acknowledged a lot of my sexuality and like who I was and how I fitted in in this world, it was exactly the same. It was just kind of like that uh reprieve and and kind of like not worrying about what people would think Uh, you know because like one of my best friends i remember i was like oh I, i you know like um i was talking to her and i was like i think i like guys too like i definitely know that i'm interested in guys and she just turned to me and goes i've always known and that's fine and i don't think of you as any other way you know you always like have this worry but people around you are very supportive or like sometimes are very supportive. But I feel like when you know your people and you know your like, but, you know, it does help you massively, even though it's all, you know, this self journey, it really does kind of bring you out of your shell. And, you know, um, you know, it's that nice sense of like, you know, support network and everything. Like when people, when people support you, mm-hmm. it's it's really nice. And I feel like that's just such a positive uh experience for a lot of different people
1: yeah yeah and honestly i think so many people talk about the dark side of social media and the negative side of social media and i feel like the positive beautiful side of social media is if you live in bumfuck nowhere yeah and you know that you are not <laughs> a hetero and that you are not gonna have a relationship like that and that your parents are probably not gonna support you in it and that most of your friends probably won't either, Yeah. then if you go online and you see other people that are living healthy, happy lives within the queer community, then you can feel supported enough to maybe make the choice to maybe not come out if it's not safe to your parents, but at least make the choice within yourself to remain as happy as you can while knowing that your family is gonna be your family and while knowing that at some point you will have a community that is there for you if you don't already have it and develop it online. I I have a friend um who is like known as the bisexual queen on on TikTok and has now blown up on TikTok because of it. And it's beautiful because she her like main message is just to make sure that All of these little queer babies that are coming out all over the place that know that they don't necessarily lean in the way that, you know, their family or their friends or whatever society believes that they should lean now have like a discord where they can go in and talk to all of these other people that believe the same things and feel the same way and are going through the same challenges. Yeah. And because of that, you then form this beautiful community online, which is, I mean, that's the beautiful, bright side of of social media and of technology. And, and that's why, I mean, my beliefs are a little bit out there, but I do think that technology is this wave of massive connection on a grand scale for our planet because we live all across on all these different continents and we've spread from having this one big conglomerate continent that once was like, what is it? starts with an A or something, the mass continent that used to be on this planet. And then fungi is the reason that, you know, all of these other planet or uh, continents have now spread out. and Now we're all over the place. And if we're all over the place, how can we come together as a society? Technology. That's how we can come together as a society. That's how we can see what's happening in Australia and have this conversation. That's how we know that we have friends all over. You know know what I mean? It's
0: it's like, I feel like, yeah, the internet is a a good and bad place. Um, But it's good in the terms that it does create, you know, community for everyone. And it's bad in terms of, like, it can also spread hate and uh, distrust and everything. So, you know, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's very much, like, you know, without the community and without the sort of like everyone sort of accepting who they are and you know and you know, the fact of however you want to identify and whatever pronouns you want to use, it's it's good to have that ability to have that freedom of speech. Yeah. When back in the day that really wasn't a thing. You were either very Yeah. And and the funny thing is like <clears throat> I don't. I don't know if this has happened to you, but like the idea of being bi or anything, probably less so recently. But I. I definitely remember that was a bit of a a weird thing because even like you know gay guys and everything were like, why can't you be the one or the other? Like why do you have to yeah. sit in this in between? And it's like, well, um, <laughs> how do how do I explain? It's I don't have a choice. Yeah, like. It's not, Yeah. it's not something I choose to do, just be like, oh, I want to sit on the bridge. Yeah. Like, um, yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's a very, and I feel like, you know, I don't know if this happens to um, to you as much, but yeah, it's it's definitely like people look at me and just go, oh, you know, I, I think it must be like a bit of a guy thing as well, where they just want you to pick uh, or be decisive.
1: Yeah, no, because on the girl's side, it's like, oh, you're bisexual, you like, yeah guys and you like girls like that's fucking hot like it's and you know what i mean it's like it's not as much like pick a side for women it's like a bunch of dudes being like that's hot but then as soon as you're like you're not included they're like fuck you (laughs) like what do you mean i'm not included you know what i mean it's like and then that's why all the hate for the lesbian community comes out but if you're bisexual then it's then it's attractive or if we can watch your porn then it's attractive and it's like can you can you just like take the fucking back seat bro like you're not a part of it we don't want you to be a part of it just go go elsewhere (laughs) nobody needs your views here oh my god and that's that's like that's why we need other advocates like we need to be able to advocate not only for ourselves but that's why these like these communities of these people that are forming it's 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 beautiful but it's it's hard, dude. It's yeah. it's hard unless you have those voices. And like I'm so happy to see like now Disney is giving more voices, which who would have thought? Because 30, 40 years ago Disney was like, "You're gay, you're not allowed to come into Disneyland." <laughs> that was only like 40 years ago, bro. Like that was not a long time ago. No. They were saying you're gay. You're not allowed to come to Disneyland. It's like, you know, how many people that I know that are gay that go to Disneyland. I mean, that's like that's ninety the ninety percent of the people that go to Disneyland are gay. My guy. Yeah. Like these are your fans. <laughs>
0: you know what I mean? You know, like animation films and everything. Like queer. You know, the the thing is, like most of the people in the arts industry are queer. Like, yeah. It's it's and and that to me is baffling because you know you. The fact that you still meet people to this day being like, oh, you know, why are you gay? It's like, oh, I'm, you know, it's like, yeah, because most of us are. We're just very accepting of who we are, and and I, yeah, I also like think that people are just, particularly like, I don't think people are ninety percent or a hundred percent straight. I think we float between these sort of like spectrums all the time. Yeah, and I've chatted about this many a time, but I I believe that sometimes you'll be like, oh, I prefer this, and oh, I prefer that, but you know, like some people are like, no, I'm very grounded in what I believe, and it's like. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever thought about it? Yeah. Like even once. Yeah. Because I bet you have. Yeah. And you are ashamed to think about yeah. it. Yeah, like-
1: No, it's true. And that's why you say like, well, I am this, I am this. And then when you have somebody who's like, but I am this, you're like, well, fuck you then. Yeah. It's like, bro, it's because you're literally, you're rejecting it within yourself, which is why you feel the need to tell me that I'm wrong in my life. It's because you know that you have these leaning feelings and hey, they might only come out when you have a few drinks and when you're partying with your boys and then all of a sudden you and your boy are having this like really deep conversation then all of a sudden you might want to make out with them and then you go, oh God, oh my God, I'm not, no homo, no homo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Like, bro, you wanted to kiss your dude. Like, that's fine. I mean, that's an expression of love. It's an extension of love. And it should be praised and cherished. And instead, you're choosing to reject it. Maybe because you know your friend wouldn't reciprocate that. Yeah. But hey, I mean, like, these feelings are okay. And that's why I genuinely, I like... I love kids so much, but I think it starts with kids. Mm. Because if kids can grow up in a society where homosexuality um and bisexuality and and gender pronouns and 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 being trans, when when we grow up in a society where that's not only portrayed, but embraced and cherished just as much as heterosexuality is, yeah, that's when we have real change. Yeah. But we have these people like and i don't know if this is a, a, exactly their name but they're like the minnesota moms they're <laughs> these moms that are in the middle of america somewhere and that all of these like big tv networks are like well we don't want to upset the minnesota moms yeah or they're like we want to upset the minnesota moms let's fucking upset the minnesota moms <laughs> please because you know that you're either hitting one target audience or another target audience yeah. but it's like when Disney first put out their, uh, like, Good Luck Charlie, did you hear about I, this? Yeah, this was I like, remember
0: that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah,
1: that it was the first, like, lesbian couple that was supposed to be on Good Luck Charlie. And it premiered and a bunch of people were like, oh, my gosh, finally representation. And and it's not looked at as this, you know, sadistic, um, Satan-esque thing. You know what I yeah. mean? It, it's it's portrayed in a totally normal way. Like, Charlie was supposed to have a play date, but one of them, like, the mom thought it was supposed to be, like, the mom's name was Susan. And then the dad thought that the woman's name was supposed to be Maria. So they were like, is it Susan or is it Maria? Yeah. And then when they both came in through the door they were like oh two moms and it was so simple and it's like that's as simple as it needs to be to have representation yeah that's as simple as it needs to, and like did you see the thing that just happened with the muppets
0: no i didn't say the thing that happened with the muppets oh
1: it's so cute it's um so basically Miss Piggy is going to have this big princess ball, right? And yeah. and she wants the girls to wear these beautiful princess dresses and she wants the boys to wear prince suits. Yeah. And Gonzo goes, well, what if I don't want to wear a prince suit? And Miss Piggy is like, well, the boys have to. And he goes, oh, okay. And then he shows up to the ball in a mask and has this beautiful princess dress. And at the end of it, Miss Piggy comes back to him and she's like... Gonzo, you missed the coolest ball ever. And we met the most rad princess. But she ran away before we could introduce ourselves or meet her or ask her what her name was. And Gonzo goes, actually, I have something to tell you guys. And Miss Piggy is like, what? And he's like, I was the princess all along. Yeah. "Yeah." (laughs) And he was like, I wanted to wear a princess dress, but I didn't know how to tell you guys that I wanted to wear a princess dress. And you had your rules and I didn't want to upset you. And I didn't know how to tell you. And Miss Piggy was like, oh my gosh, Konzo, I'm so sorry. You look so pretty in your princess dress. You could have told us. We're sorry that we made you feel like you couldn't. And it was this beautiful moment. And then Minnesota moms came out <laughs> they were like how how you're trying to put sexuality on our kids you're trying to push the trans agenda like bitch what you really think that the biggest amount the the the, the most chased after group of minor like you really think that these hunted minorities are, are coming after your kids with a sexual agenda. Like we're just searching for a little bit of representation <laughs> and a little bit of like, you know, just,
0: just, yeah. just,
1: just, 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 it's so simple and it's so beautiful if it's done right. But the fucking Minnesota moms,
0: those moms, those fucking moms, um, um, what about like? Do, is that something though, there, um, Gracie? That you sort of inject into your acting because you've done you've done acting for about ten years now. You've done little bits and pieces for quite a while. Is that something you you inject into your acting, like when you try and sort of like make characters diverse and different?
1: Oh, that's so funny. Do I think about the Minnesota moms when I get yeah, non-binary do you, do you, roles? Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> do you just kind of go, "Well, <laughs> oh, oh, really fuck funny. the Minnesota moms." <laughs>
1: Uh, you know, I'm, I am a product of my society, but I'm not the person that I am is not a product of saying fuck you to somebody else. Yeah. Um, I am not non-binary because I say fuck you to society. I'm non-binary because I was born non-binary and because I'm very aware of both sides of myself. Um, and I am very comfortable in the masculine side and in the feminine side. And I choose to embrace both sides instead of presenting super femme all the time or super mask all the time and and knowing that i have the ability to fluctuate between both is is the way that i choose to live my own life and the way that i feel the most comfortable in my own body the time that i don't is when i'm like well i'm going to a thanksgiving dinner i have to wear a dress you know that's when i'm like that's when i feel really restricted um but but no it's it's i don't I don't necessarily think about those people when I get roles like that or how I'm going to be viewed, because as soon as you think about how you're going to be viewed, you are not actually embracing the authenticity of the human being that you are portraying um, yeah. or living within. You know, if if you're thinking, oh, what is somebody going to think of this? Am I being, you know, too masculine? Am I being too feminine? Am I blah, 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 blah? Then you know, it gets, it gets mucky. And yeah. I say this and yet at the same time, I have one, one human who I love very much. Their name is Tess. And they go out to all of the same auditions as I do. I see them everywhere. <laughs> and it, it's really funny because we met on set uh, for this sci-fi movie that we were doing. And I I looked at Tess and they looked at me and I was like you look like me and Tess was like you look like me and I was like what are we doing on the same set <laughs> Like, aren't you supposed to be my competition?
0: Yeah. And
1: they were like, yeah, aren't you supposed to be my competition? And then we just started talking and we became really good friends. And we support each other so much now with every booking. And every time we go to an audition, we always end up getting coffee afterwards and like talking about the audition. And like, it's so funny because we went out for the show uh 911, Ryan Murphy's show. Yeah. We went out for that together. Or I saw that, um, that they auditioned and I also auditioned. And when the booking came, I saw that Tess booked. And I was like, oh my God, congratulations. I went and I watched the show and I was like, huh, interesting. (laughs) The only difference between my audition and their audition is one thing, Uh. and that is a vocal drop. This was the only difference, is that Tess chose to change her voice to sound more like this. And I didn't. I chose to be in my normal vocal range while portraying a non-binary individual. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and instead of, like, pushing a, a certain idea. But I also didn't see that, you know, this was network, and when it's network, they try to push real-life situations. In, you know what I mean? Yeah, and yeah, when yeah. I saw it play out, they actually mistook Tess for a boy in the show. And that's why I was like, oh that's why the vocal drop worked. Yeah. That's why they booked. I was like, that's the only big, big, big difference. I was like, interesting. So going forward, it's still connecting and finding that balance. But like, I acting and spirituality go so hand in hand. Like, yeah. at least, you know, it's so funny because I remember growing up and, and doing so much theater. And it wasn't spiritual at all. Theater was not spiritual for me. I yeah. was just playing what somebody else had done. But as soon as I saw myself on camera for the first time, I was like, oh, that's real. I was like, I see everything on camera. I was like, okay, I have got to do some of this, like, internal digging and shifting and, like, balancing and figuring out what works in what places and what doesn't. And when you give yourself the freedom to... To kind of go into that space and to suspend your own reality and to play so hard in the world as a human, it's, it's, there's a reason why actors get paid so much money to do what they do, because it's not an easy job it literally makes you shake in your boots you Mm. have everybody looking at you you are the embodiment of escapism yeah you know you have to escape yourself into it and give in to this other this other energy and know that somehow it's not you but it is you yeah it's you know it's it's this interesting icky blend and they say like a true artist is somebody who's not afraid to destroy themselves and rebuild themselves yeah and, you know, I, I don't necessarily believe in, in like, completely destroying you as a person, like, the ego death. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I
1: If you're an actor, dude, you have to have an ego. You have to be. And not, like, let's hope not a fucking big one where you can't fit through the the room yeah. with an ego. But, y- you know, an ego is not. People in the spiritual community say, oh, ego is a bad thing. Ego is not a bad thing. Ego no. is a part of you. Yeah. Ego is, is, is. is I mean, it's bad when it's, it's really, really massive and you treat people a certain way because you become a narcissist. That's yeah. when it becomes bad, when you can only see yourself. But ego is like some sort of like little little plateau that you can stand on to protect yourself because yeah. you have an identity because you as a full person say i know who i am i know i trust myself i know after this audition i'm gonna give myself a giant fucking hog and yeah. i know how to set my space like ego protects you in a way it, it can at least yeah. um that's why it, because I've, during my spiritual path, I've had many ego deaths, but with an ego death comes a total shattering of, you know, because you're going so deep into yourself, you become a very vulnerable person. To be an actor, you have to be vulnerable, but you also have to be strong. Yeah. So how do you balance both worlds? It's it's picking those times and it's dropping in and, and letting go completely, you know? Yeah, yeah. While yeah. still knowing that you're safe. Yeah. You know, while still having the little voice that goes, it's okay, you're acting. Yeah. You know, but not having that voice be the biggest voice in your head, because when you start to cry, it's it's so funny when I used to be so afraid of like moments on film where I would have to cry because I would think, am I going to be able to do it? Yeah. yeah, Am I going to be able to do it? Am I going to be able to get there? And then finally when you get into the space and i've had i've i remember my first crying scene i prepped for 6 hours before yeah. i was thinking <laughs> about my scene for 6 hours i was like i know i have to cry tonight i have to cry tonight i was thinking about all all of the possibilities of not having the girlfriend that i was supposed to have and blah 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 and i got into it we were in a wide i cried immediately i was like oh my god i got there yes and then they went okay take 2 <gasps> i was no! like wait 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 can i get another six hours hold on <laughs> i was like take two i was like oh jesus and then i realized i was like i wasn't prepping for the close-up i wasn't prepping for like doing this a few times it was like i was so in this place of like pain without giving into the pain that yeah. then when i finally got to give into it i was like cool and then they said roll again and so for the next one I um this was for the the feature that just dropped on Prime. I I was like, okay, I know I have to to drop into this place, but I was like, but I'm going to do something different. I am going to just keep my energy as, you know, consistent and yeah. regular and good high vibes as I can. And then I got into the scene and immediately dropped in and then did it again and again and again and again. And I remember getting out of it and I remember the director like putting his hand down to me and being like Gracie you're not in that place anymore you're good and then me looking at him and still being in the place and like blinking a few times coming out of it and then shaking it off and feeling so good for the rest of the day
0: yeah because
1: I knew I had gotten there successfully and safely and gotten out of it and um I started doing improv and acting at a very young age. I remember being in seventh grade and I had this teacher and I never remember teacher's names, but her name was Miss Dorian and she taught at the art school I was going to when I was a kid and um, I was like 12. And I remember being in her class and I had never talked about my abuse before. Yeah. And, and she was doing this exercise where we all had to stand up in front of the class and tell our most painful story. Yeah. And that was my most painful story. And I remember crying and crying and crying. And she came and put her arm around me and was like, Gracie, thank you so much for telling us and sharing us, um, sharing with us your story. And she was like, now I want you to look around, look at all your friends and look at me and know that you're not there and you're here now. Mm -hmm. And I remember taking this big deep breath and that was the first time I had ever told anyone About that, and to have it be in the safe space that was also connected to acting, acting has always, from then on, been a safe space for me to express and drop into those feelings and know that it's okay to. But with that, it's it's still the like ethereal balance of being able to do not only that, not only those deep cry moments, but also. The positive happy ones because you if you're in a state of pain you can't walk into a commercial audition for geico no nah. like you know what i mean like be on the brink of tears while you're like sell me car insurance or buy my car insurance you know what i mean like, <laughs> you, you, like you have to know tone you know what yeah, i mean yeah, yeah. like and and what you're doing for the day, which means mental health is like it has to be your number one. You have to know that you're good, you know.
0: Yeah, it absolutely does, and I, I think that's a perfect point for us to wrap it up. But I absolutely wanna wanna say that is the most uplifting thing to kind of be like, you know, in a in a very cathartic way, because you've got to know. I th- I think yeah, you've got to know yourself, and you know your like complete ability to you know use your you know and not everyone says that every artist is you know troubled or anything but it is very powerful to hear that you've done everything with your trauma and your um past pro- um abuse problems and everything to kind of use that and funnel that into such a way that now you are in a much safer environment and I hopefully and this is always say hopefully it gives other people the opportunity to do the same because you know like the thing is it's it is entirely possible, and I feel like you know that that is you know you're the prime example of someone who is so positive and 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 like you know with so much that's happened to you, being able to use it and create something you know so um with so much energy and so much ability to make sure you're okay in the long run is such a it's such an amazing and uplifting thing like anyone i love hearing <laughs> this this is just a you're such a love human being and oh you
1: it. are too you are too and it's i mean that's this is why we do it right you you hope that through your own artistic expression you are able to touch other people because you know how important it would have been if you had had that earlier if i could hear somebody talking like this on a podcast when i was a kid i maybe could have avoided pain but at the same time you can't avoid pain you know what i mean you can only hear and learn from other people's experiences which is why you know i love the moth or like ted talks so much because getting to hear where other people come from it it lets you know that you're not alone and so much of like media and acting and and art is supposed to be a vehicle to let you know that you are not alone and to help us grow it's like it's like spiritual text but in a visual representation yeah you know what i mean it's a beautiful world that that we live in and it's it's beautiful to play a part in it and to not let pain take you down you can't let pain take you down because you have no idea what's around the corner and dude so many beautiful things can be around the corner
0: absolutely for
1: everyone you know pain doesn't need to be your past and your future dude like you can rewrite your story. I
0: know, and it's always living in the moment. And I, I say this to a lot of people, it's like, you know, the the what's happened has happened. And, uh, you know, obviously like there's stuff that happened to me and, you know, like insane with you. It's like, once it's happened, you've got to move forward. You've got a way of processing it. And I feel like, yeah. you know, the more we hang on to the past, the more damage we do to our future. Mm-hmm. And it's just. Well, it's
1: interesting because it's our version of the past. Yeah. It's not the actual past because our brains are wired to see pain first in order to keep us safe. It's just that's evolutionary disposition to do this. It's how our brains are wired. And when you realize that and then realize, oh my God, I've been reflecting on my own version of my own reality, Mm. that's not, I mean, we're not good storytellers for our own story if (laughs) we were allowed to be storytellers for our own story it would be fucking depressing bro Uh. (laughs) just because so much of us only remember the bad and like but we have to in order to survive right but as soon as you go and you realize it doesn't all need to be like that then you can do meditations on your early life for the positive things and then you you unlock memories that you didn't even remember you had or you see pictures of yourself if you go through photo books and you're like why did i look so happy here i don't even remember this camping trip i don't even remember this i don't remember this i don't remember this and it's like because our brains have clung so hard onto pain that when you start to see all of the other beauty that was layered with it it's like oh my god my life wasn't all one note why did i think it was and that's how depression is a fucking bitch
0: Oh my God, Gracie, I will say this. I, I could listen to you all day. And I, I, I reckon if we weren't doing a podcast, we could probably chat for like six hours. We could. We on, totally could. Yeah, on a topic like this, because I love listening to you and, and talking with you. You're an absolute, absolute delight. Where, now, I'm going to ask where can people stalk you on the internet? Where can people stalk your, your interwebs? Where can people find your acting profiles and all that fun? Best
1: place would be my Instagram. That's where I'm the most active. Uh,. <laughs> That would be the place. Um, my TikTok is also up there. My TikTok is more filled with some random things, but then I have a few of my short films up on there. Mm. Um, but I would definitely say the place to keep the most up to date with me would be Instagram. I have a few YouTube videos too, but my Instagram is at the Gracie Lacey, so T-H-E-G-R-A-C-I-E-L-A-C-E-Y. Yeah. Um and you can find me there and connect with me and you know i i i'm so thankful that i saw your message my dms do have a tendency to get a bit overloaded and i can't respond to everybody all the time but i'm very thankful when i get to see those messages and when i do get the chance to respond it just means the world to me that i get the opportunity to to touch and hopefully be touched that's what she said (laughs) Uh, other people all over the world.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I just, I love. I know a lot of people are going to love hearing your story, and I absolutely, Thanks. I've loved hearing it as well. It's Thanks. been an absolute, absolute delight.
1: This has been an absolute delight, and hopefully, I can see you in Australia at some point. Yeah, we can go yeah. Go take you, pictures yeah. with kawakas.
0: Yeah, you have to come and you have to come and stalk me here. And, yes, please. And, and find, <laughs> find me.
1: Don't say that. I'll show up on your doorstep some point, holding a kawaka, being like, "We're
0: moving in." <laughs> oh fuck. <laughs> i <laughs> would be like, uh, can we discuss this first? No, um,
1: <laughs> we're watching sci-fi movies until six a.m. Oh, Get ready.
0: <laughs> um, if you want to go and check out more episodes, you can check out uh, more things we do on Apple and Spotify. I will be speaking with another guest next week, and I'll be speaking to you all later. Goodbye. <laughs>